Well, good morning. It's good to be with you all again, as always. Uh, I'm a little bit sad today because this is my last chance to be with you, at least in the near future. And uh, it's been such a, a good experience for Jeannie and me as we've been able to spend these last few months with you. And uh, we will hold you forever in our hearts. But I'm not just sad, I'm happy for, for you and for the church family and for Pastor Chris as he's uh, coming to, to start serving among you. And you've been praying for a pastor for a long time and God has provided. So praise the Lord for that. Uh, life is full of transitions, you know, from the, from the, from the day we're born until the day we die, just, things just keep changing for us. We all start out in the security of our mother's womb, but the day has to come when we leave there and we're launched out into a world that is uncertain and constantly changing and sometimes just a little bit scary. And we, find our, we spend our first few years in the security of our home with a loving parent always close by until one day we have to go to this strange new place called school, okay, with different people and different schedules and different activities that seem uh, strange and different to us. But it's a good change, okay? And, and in the end, we're, we're better for it. But then another day comes, it's called graduation. And everybody wants to know what's next for you, and sometimes we know and sometimes we don't. Uh, maybe it's more school, maybe it's a job, maybe it's work, we don't really know for sure, but like it or not, it's another change we have to face in life. And that's just the way it goes, all the way on through life. You leave one job, you start uh, another. You move from one home, maybe you sell a home or close up an apartment or something, and you move uh, someplace else. Your friends may change, your marital status may change, your financial situation may change. Children may come into the picture, praise the Lord for that, but the day also comes when they move out of the home. And I'm not gonna say praise the Lord for that, because I love having my kids around, but change comes, okay? Uh, one day, uh, your parents, if they're still living, are probably going to die, and they're going to leave you. One day, your spouse may die. Maybe even your hopes and dreams that you had, uh, some of them will, will die, and end up being replaced by others. And if there's one thing in life that we can be sure of, it's the fact that God will always bring change. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's really hard. Sometimes we see it coming. Sometimes we don't. Uh, sometimes we embrace the change with great joy. Uh, sometimes that change looks very scary to us. But this is all part of God's plan. Uh, change gives us an opportunity to trust God for uh, what's ahead. Change helps us to grow in ways that we would not have grown without the uh, stimulus of that change. Change stretches us, uh, change challenges us, and change is a tool that God uses to fashion us into what he wants us to be. And we are at a very, very big uh, point of change here in this church. God is giving you a new pastor, uh, Chris Lenhart. He actually starts tomorrow. Uh, next Sunday will be his first uh, Sunday here as pastor serving in this pulpit. Uh, he follows in the footsteps of Clarence Lefevre, who was here for over 40 years. Ken Wilcox was here for four years. Bob Reed, who served here for over 30 years. And Brian Sanders, who was here for five. So uh, I did a little bit of math. Uh, after over uh, six, 86 years of history, Chris, you're only going to be the fifth lead pastor in the history of this congregation. And that's uh, it's truly remarkable. But, you know, God brings about, and you think in scriptures, God often brings about a change in leaders in order to usher in a new chapter in the history of God's people. And so you're here today, you are, well, you're, I can't say you're standing on a threshold because you're sitting, okay? But you're, you're, on a, you're on a threshold, okay? You're, you're getting ready to cross over a new, new territory and you've got a new shepherd to lead you. Now that's exciting, but it's also sometimes just a little bit Scary, because we don't know what the future holds for us. We really, we never do. We don't know God's plans for us in the days ahead. We don't know what's just around the corner. And for most of you, I'm guessing you've met Chris, but you really don't know him very well. And that's going to, to come. Uh, but uh, I've told you before, and I'll tell you again, he will be a very different pastor than any pastor who has ever served here before, because every person is different. He's not going to be 
Clarence Lefebvre. He's not going to be Ken Wilcox or, or Bob Reed or, or Brian Sanders. He's going to be Chris Lenhart. That's who God has given you, is Chris Lenhart. And I trust as you get to know him, uh, you're going to fall in love with him. I'm sure he's going to fall in love with you. He already has been, I know. Uh, and I'm sure he's going to serve you well, uh, to the very best of his ability. And he's going to follow God with all his heart, I'm sure of that. And he's going to lead this church to the best of his ability, I'm sure of that. And I just want to exhort you, today is my last Sunday with you, so I want to exhort you to be praying for him. And don't ever stop. Uh, you started praying for your next lead pastor before you ever knew who he was, okay? Now you know who he is, okay? He's sitting right down here in the front, okay? And, and uh, please don't stop praying. The best gift you can give him, the best gift you can give this church is to be faithfully praying for him and along with him, all the rest of your staff and all the rest of your elders and those who lead you in this church because they are in the front lines of battle. And I need to tell you, if you don't know this already, Satan is going to do everything in his power to knock this man down, and you along with it, with him. And so you need to pray for him and ask God to, to, to uphold his family and to, to strengthen his walk with the Lord and to help him to, to follow Jesus with all his heart and to give him wisdom as he leads you and to stand in the gap for him and to hold him up before the Lord. Because if we don't pray, it's, we have to just say it's our own fault uh, when troubles come our way. Well, obviously this is a season of change, but like every other change that God brings into our lives, God plans this for good. This is all for good. We don't know what's ahead, but that's okay, because God does, and God wants us to trust him for the future, no matter what may come our way. And he is faithful. Last Sunday, we sang, Great is Thy Faithfulness. It's one of my favorite hymns of all time. And God is faithful, and he's going to continue his work among us. He's going to continue his work in this church. He's going to continue his work in, in, in your life as he works out all things according to the purpose of his will. Now, as we're thinking about change, there's probably other changes going on in your life uh, right now as well. Maybe there's some big decision that you have to make. Uh, you may be at a crossroads. You may be at some kind of a turning point in your own life, after which maybe it's a little bit hard to go back. And you don't know what's ahead in your life, okay? And where you've been is safe, and comfortable, but you can't stay there forever. And the future is different. Uh, of that, you can be sure. And change is ahead, and most of us are uncomfortable with that. Now, here's the dilemma. God has a lot in store for us in the future, but we don't always know what it is. And we're rarely 100% certain of what the right thing to do is. But if we always shrink back from some point of decision, we'll never accomplish anything. Someone once said that even if we are on the right track, we'll never get anywhere if we just sit there. So let me give you the main idea for this morning right at the beginning here. God will take us where he wants us to go, but we must step out in faith. God has all kinds of good things for us to do, but we've got to take some action in order to get there. Because God has shaped us for a purpose, and he wants to use us, he wants to work through us. That's true as individuals, that's true as a church. But he cannot direct us if we're not moving. Okay, you cannot steer a parked car. So we're going to look at a passage of scripture today where God was going to move his people through a time of very big change. For 40 years, their home had been in the wilderness, but now they were on the threshold uh, of a new home in the land that God was giving to them. And big changes were ahead for them. Good things, to be sure, but still some very big challenges. And right in front of them was this huge river, and there was no bridge, okay? And there was no ferry, and they had no idea how they were going to cross this river. And it was a point of decision. It was a point of no return. It was a time of huge transition, and it took a great amount of faith on their part to step forward so that God could take them where he wanted them to go. Now, it's kind of a longish story, chapters 3 and 4 in Joshua, and I debated whether or not to read the whole thing, and I thought, what is more important than reading the Word of God? Okay, so grab your Bible, follow along. Okay, I'm going to read the whole story, uh, two chapters here for you as we start. Joshua chapter 3. 
Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Shittim, and they came to the Jordan, he and all the people of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, As soon as you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near it in order that you may know the way that you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua said to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. The Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, so that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And as for you, command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, when you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. And Joshua said to the people of Israel, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Here is how you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. Now therefore take twelve men from the tribes of Israel, from each tribe a man. And when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. So when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the people, And as soon as those bearing the ark had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped in the brink of the water, now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest, the waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarethan. And those flowing down toward the sea of the Arabah, the salt sea, were completely cut off. And the people passed over, Opposite Jericho. Now the priest bearing the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. Chapter 4. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone from his shoulder, or upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off, so these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. And the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded and took up twelve stones out of the midst of the Jordan, according to the members, to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, just as the Lord told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. And Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood, and they are there to this day. For the priests bearing the Ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord commanded Joshua to tell the people, according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua. The people passed over in haste. And when all the people had finished passing over, the ark of the Lord and the priests passed over before the people. The sons of Reuben, the sons of Gad, the half-tribe of Manasseh, passed over armed before the people of Israel, as Moses had told them, about 40,000 ready for war, 
passed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. On that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they stood in awe of him just as they had stood in awe of Moses all the days of his life. And the Lord said to Joshua, Command the priests bearing the ark of the testimony to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priests, Come up out of the Jordan. And when the priests bearing the ark of the covenant came up from the midst of the Jordan, and the soles of the priests' feet were lifted up on dry ground, the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. The people came up out of the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know. Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God had dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over. So that all the peoples of the earth may know that the land, that the hand of the Lord is mighty, and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Well, as this story begins, one thing we can discern is that God will bring us to times of transition. And that's really how this whole Story started, chapter 3, verse 1. Joshua rose early in the morning. They set out from Shittim, and they came to the Jordan. He and all the people of Israel lodged there before they passed over. See, they had left Egypt dreaming of the promised land. They spent 40 years uh, in the wilderness looking forward to the promised land, and how here they were. It was right in front of them, and they had to decide whether they were going to cross over or not. Now, When God brings us to a point of transition, it may be scary, and it may be uncomfortable. And let's look at at the Israelites first. Remember, they've been marching through this wilderness for for 40 years. The last time they saw this much water was 40 years earlier when they crossed over the the Red Sea. Most of them were probably just little kids at that time. For most of the people there, they had never seen anything like this. Remember, they've been in the desert for 40 years, okay? Now, most of the time, the Jordan River really isn't all that awful big. It's maybe 150 feet wide, but right now, okay, it was far wider than that. And why is that? Well, because it was flooding. Uh, Look at verse uh, 15, chapter 3. It's it's springtime. That's when they harvested their grain there, and the spring rains and the melting snow up up on the headwaters of the Jordan, up on Mount Hermon, far to their north, were, were melting, and they were raising the river to, to flood level. It was probably 10 or 12 feet deep, flowing very, very swift, and it was a flood. I'll never remember the first flood I experienced. Jeannie and I were newly married. We had just bought our, our first home in western Perry County. Our house lived, uh, sat right next to a tiny little creek. It was so small, you could jump across it. Our kids enjoyed catching crayfish and making dams in that creek for years to come. But 10 days after we moved in, we had been having a spell of rainy weather, and one evening we were at church for a vacation Bible school, and we had someplace around 8 or 10 inches of rain in a few hours' time. And you can imagine what that did to that little creek. As we headed home, that little creek that we hardly paid any attention to before was probably 100 yards wide. Our yard was completely underwater. We had a car in the driveway that was underwater. We had a foot of water flowing in the back door of the house and flowing out the front door of the house. It was a flood. Okay, and we've had some floods around here uh, in, in recent days as well. You've, you've seen a flood before. You know what it looks like. Uh, the water's muddy. The current is strong. There's, there's deep holes, and the, the water is swirling, and there's logs, and there's debris coming by. It's not exactly something that you want to step into and say, okay, I think I'm going to wade across, okay? Turn around. Don't drown. You've, you've heard it before. Well, this was a, a formidable obstacle, And there's no bridge, okay? And getting on a raft and floating across, that would have been unthinkable. And and, and swimming would have been suicide. I mean, you've lived your whole life in the desert. How many of these people do you think even knew how to swim, okay? And and you look around you, you've got your flocks, you've got your wagons, you've got your little children, you've got a few old people there. How are you going to get across? And it's scary, 
and you don't even like thinking about it because you really don't want to go back and spend another 40 years in the desert. But that's exactly how it feels for us sometimes when we're faced with a big decision, okay, or a really big time of transition, okay? There's a lot riding on this. We don't really know how it's going to turn out. There's a lot of questions we'd like to have answers for, and we don't have all those answers. Where we've been before, maybe it was comfortable, maybe it wasn't perfect, but we've sort of gotten used to it, and we're okay with that. It's known territory, but this new direction, okay, this new chapter in your life, that's kind of going into uncharted territory. And it's completely fair to admit that when we're faced with changes like that, they scare us. But we cannot stay there forever. We've either got to make a decision and do it, or we've got to turn around and head back where we came from. Now, would you look back, please, again at chapter 3, verse 1. It says, when they came to the river, they lodged there. They camped there before crossing over. It says they camped there for three days. I love camping, okay, especially camping by a nice river. It would have been delightful for them, except this river was in flood, and they knew they had to cross over. Now, how long are they going to spend camp there on that side of the river? Another 40 years? Well, no, that's not going to work. It was decision time, and they had to cross over. Now, I want you to think about whatever's going on in your life right now. This decision maybe that you've got to face, this transition that you're, that you're looking at. Uh, it used to be it was way out in front of you, but now it's getting closer and closer, and you're going to have to make a, this decision. You're going to have to pull the trigger. Now, is it scary? Is it uncomfortable? Okay, yeah, it is. It always is. Okay, but we can't stay there forever. Now, these guys camped in front of that river for three days. Sometimes we don't want to break camp, okay? But we've got to, okay? Because sooner or later, it's going to be time to move forward. And when it's time to move forward, this passage gives us at least four different principles on how to do so successfully. First of all, we've got to move out and follow God. We need to fix our eyes on, on Jesus and walk forward. We need to trust God, and we need to start going. Now, look back again, chapter 3, verse 2. It says, At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, as soon as you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Okay, so this is the Ark of God. It's that golden box that the Ten Commandments are in. It was a symbol of God's presence. And they were to keep their eyes on the Ark. When they saw this Ark, they were to get up and follow this Ark. You might say or they were, it was kind of like keeping their eyes on God and, and following Him. And the reason for this is at the end of verse 4, it says, For you have not passed this way before. Okay, they hadn't been there. They really didn't know where they were going. They didn't have a GPS. They didn't have a map. Okay? And when you're going someplace you're not familiar with, the best way to keep from getting lost is to follow someone who knows the way. Uh, I remember one time uh, Jeannie was with me in Israel, and I wanted to take her to a place that I had been once before that's kind of off the beaten path. It's Tel Gezer. And I had been there before, so I knew how to get there. But it is really a long way off the main road. And you get on this dirt road, and it's so rutted, you could hardly even drive on it. And Jeannie was totally convinced that I was lost. Are you sure this is the right way? Yep, I've been here. No, I, I don't, this, is, can't be, this can't be right. This can't be it. She was so convinced that we were lost. But I had been there before. Okay, I knew the way. And we did eventually find our way to where uh, we, we wanted to go. As long as she stuck with me, she wouldn't get lost at least in that case. Now, sometimes the Lord uh, takes us places where we haven't been before, and the road ahead may be uncharted territory. In fact, it almost always is uncharted territory for us. But see, as long as we're following the Lord, okay, we won't get lost. Now, here's a statement I believe is true. God always wants us to move forward. I think that's true all the time. God always wants us to move forward. But we 
almost always resist. True? Yeah, of course, true. Now think about it for a moment. We hate change. We don't like doing things a different way. We want to keep doing things the way we've always done them before, okay? I am guessing that most of you are sitting right now in the place you sat the very first time you came into this church building. And you sit in the same spot every single Sunday. And you've been sitting there for, right? Right? You've been sitting there for years and years and years. Okay, what if we said, from now on, you can't sit there anymore. You have to move to the opposite side of the building and five rows forward or back, whatever the case may be. Now, could you do that? Well, yes, but not without a great degree of internal anxiety. Whoa! Okay, I've never sat over there before. I don't know the people who sit over there. It just looks different from that perspective. Yeah, okay. Would it really make any difference? Well, no, not really. But would it stretch you to move? Well, it it would. We would probably resist it. Now, it's one thing, I'm not going to make you do that, by the way. Big sigh of relief, okay. But if I was to ask you to move, okay, it really wouldn't be that big a deal. But if I asked you to cross over a river into a land where you'd never been before, you've never seen pictures, you've really heard stories, and those stories sound scary, uh, it'd be a little scary for you. How are you going to get there? Well, you'll get there if you keep your eyes on God. Now, here's a second principle uh, to moving forward successfully. You've got to commit yourself completely to him. You've got to give him your whole life. Give him everything you've got. Chapter 3, verse 5, Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Now that's not a word we use too often. What exactly was he telling them to do? He was telling them to consecrate themselves. Well, basically he's telling them to get their hearts right with God to deal with sin if there's any sin in their lives, to rededicate their their life to the Lord. And this applies to us as well. If we want to be successful in going forward and whatever it is, we need to consecrate ourselves to the Lord. We need to deal with whatever is going on in our life that we need to deal with and get our hearts right with God. Because God can't bless our hearts if our hearts are not right with him. I like Psalm 37, verse 5. It says, Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him. And then the last few words, and he will do it. Well, here's the third thing. If we're going to move forward successfully, trust God to take care of the details. Now, we tend to obsess about the details. We tend to worry about the details. Okay, how are we going to do this? What if that happens? What if this happens? Yeah, I know. We don't know the answer to that. All those things that will jump into our mind, we just need to trust that God will take care of them. Again, the end of verse 5 says, you have not passed this way before. Now I'm trying to think what's going through these guys' minds as they're getting ready to cross over this uh, river tomorrow. I'm thinking, how are we going to do this? I mean, I went out and looked. I mean, there's no way I'm getting in that water. I mean, we're all going to drown if we do that. What about my wife? What about my little kids? What about my stuff? I, I can pile my stuff on my donkey, but my donkey can't swim. And there's just a million questions going through your mind, and they don't have the answers. Now, did they really need the answers before they headed out? Well, they would have liked them, but they didn't really need them. What they needed was to trust the Lord who could take care of all those details. I don't know, can you relate to this? You know, thinking back to whatever's going on in your life, this change, this this, uh, decision ahead of you. You know, you got questions. Well, what if this happens? Well, what if that happens? Yeah, I know. You ever find yourself obsessing over those details, worrying about every little thing, trying to figure it out ahead of time, and you can't? Well, we need to trust God to take care of those details and just keep moving forward. I love God's word to them. It was pretty obvious, but he said, you have not passed this way before. God will take care of the details. Okay, here's the fourth one. Okay, and this is a biggie. Okay, we've got to step out in faith. We've got to trust God and move forward. Now, yeah, that's scary. We don't know what's ahead. But he is faithful. He wants us to trust him and move ahead into what he has for us. Now, this story, look again, uh, chapter 3, verse 6. 
Joshua said to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant, went before the people. Verse 8, And as for you, command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, when you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still on the side of the Jordan. Is that what it says? Pronouns are important. You shall stand still in the Jordan. Okay? Did you catch that? Go and stand in the river. Okay? Now, you've got to put yourself in their shoes. They had to think this was insane. He didn't tell them to go up to the edge and stand there where your feet are still dry. He said, step into the river. And imagine their thoughts. They're thinking, man, we're all going to drown. This is crazy. We can't do this. But did they do it? Praise God, they did. Their faith may have been small, but they had at least enough faith to step into the river. Now let's come back once again to you and me. Okay? We don't have to have all the answers. We don't have to know how it's going to work out. We need to have just enough faith from God to step forward, maybe even stepping into the river, before all the pieces fall into place. Now sometimes when you step out in faith, you feel like you're really out on a limb. Sometimes you feel like you're dancing on the twigs and the leaves. Okay, but if you wait for all the answers and everything to come perfectly clear, it's not going to happen. And by the way, if you wait until all that, you don't need any faith at all. But God wants to stretch our faith. So, step into the river. Take a step of faith. Okay, you don't need to have all the answers ahead of time. You just need to trust the God who, who knows the answers. Now, having done all that, God will do what we cannot now, some things we can handle with our own resources, and what's left, God will handle with his. Okay, we can only do so much. Uh, God will take care of what we cannot do. Now, look what he did for these Israelites, uh, starting in verse 9. Joshua said to the people of Israel, Come here and listen to the word of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Here is how you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you all the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Mosquitoites, etc. Okay? <laughs> Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. Now therefore take twelve men from the tribes of Israel, from each tribe a man. And when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above... Okay, now those next few words are, are stretched. Okay, shall stand in one heap. So, when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, as soon as those bearing the Ark had come as far as the Jordan and the feet of the priests bearing the Ark were dipped in the brink of the water, so they're just getting their toes wet. Now the Jordan overflows its banks, through the time of harvest, it says, The waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away. Now, timing's important, okay? When precisely did the water stop flowing? The night before? The morning before they were getting ready to cross over? To cross over? No, it didn't stop until they put their feet in the water. Okay, and what happened to all that water? Piled up in a heap. Now that's amazing. Okay, now maybe I've just never noticed it before, but I don't remember ever seeing a heap of water any place, unless it was a pile of snow that I had just shoveled out of my driveway, but not in a river. Okay, I've never seen that. This was an astounding miracle of God. And God said this was going to happen ahead of time, by the way. He told them this was going to happen, and it did. It also happened precisely at the exact instant they needed it to happen. And they didn't even have to wait for this river to flow to a trickle. Okay, you know, we crossed over some streams on our way here this morning that a few days ago I know were flooding over their banks, and they're still pretty full. Okay, it takes a while for a flooded river to, 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 to go down. Well, they didn't have to stand there and wait for hours and hours or days for this water to go down. The priests put their feet in the water, and boom, whoosh, it was dry. And the water's piled up on a heap way, way upstream. 
And it says these people walked across on dry ground. Now, I know what the aftermath of a flood looks like. Okay, you got mud up to your eyeballs just about, or up to your knees at least. Okay, but these guys passed through on dry, not muddy, not damp, on dry ground. They didn't even have to roll up their jeans. They didn't even get any mud on their Reeboks, okay? No mud on their white wall tires, okay? If they drop the suitcase or a purse or their cell phone or something, they don't have to pull it out of the mud, okay? Because there's no mud. It's dry. And they walk across. Some two, three million people with all their children, their possessions, their flocks, everything on dry ground. Now, meanwhile, upriver, somebody up there saw it. Uh, this heap of water is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Remember, it's a, it's a flooding river, okay? That, I, boy, oh boy, wouldn't that be something to have seen? Okay, that would have been amazing. Now, God has not promised to pile up a river uh, like this for us today, but he has promised to be with us. These things were written for our instruction that through perseverance and the encouragement of scriptures we might have hope. And God wants us to do what we can do and trust him for what we cannot do. Do you remember the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 when Jesus was there on the hillside and uh, he told the disciples to feed the crowd? And they didn't have much. Okay? They had five loaves and two fish. He said, you feed them. And they looked at what they had and they said, this isn't much. But he wanted them to use what they had, do what they could with what they had, and he would take care of the rest. And that's a principle that God wants us to trust him for all the way through, to trust him and do what we can with what we've got and leave the rest to him. God knows what we can do and can't do. We need to trust him for what's beyond our ability. So, okay, once we get across this river, once we've made this transition or made that decision, moved on from there, we need to remember God's faithfulness in times past. Remember, he has always met our needs before. Last Sunday we sang, Great is thy faithfulness, Lord unto me. Now, this whole nation had crossed over. Joshua probably picked 12 really big, strong guys so they can pick up some really big stones, and they, they carried them over and set up this memorial. It was a tangible, physical reminder for the people in the days to come of what God had done on their behalf. And they could look at those stones and say, God has brought us this far. You know what? He's going to take us the rest of the way. And church, we can do the same thing. God has brought us this far. 86 years of history God has given you. He's brought you here today. And you know what? He's going to take you the rest of the way as long as he's got a plan for you here. He didn't bring us this far to leave us. He didn't bring us this far to, to let us down. He's done great things for us, all of us, in days past, and he's going to do it again in the future. And it, it's so good to remember what God has done for us, for us personally. Remember your prayers? Remember, think back a year, two years, five years, 20 years, whatever it may be, to that time when you were praying and praying and praying, and God answered those prayers. And you were so worried about some decision maybe you had to make, but you know what? God worked it out, didn't he? And you didn't have all the answers back then, but you made it, and you're here to tell about it today. Now, yeah, there were some struggles along the way, but you made it, and God has been faithful, because that's who he is. He's just always faithful, and we need to remember God's faithfulness in the past, because it gives us hope for the future, and that's why he told them to set up these stones. He wanted them to remember that God had provided for them in the past, and he would do it again the next time they needed to trust him. Now, God doesn't want us to live in the past, okay? That's not the right thing to do, but he does want us to remember it. And sometimes it's good to, to set up monuments to God's faithfulness. Now, this monument was not just for those who were there that day. Look at chapter 4, verse 21. He said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over. So that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. 
they set up those stones not for their own sake, for their children's sake, and for their children's children, and many generations yet to come to remind them that the hand of the Lord is powerful. Now, this may have happened many, many generations ago, but let me tell you, brothers and sisters, the same God who dried up the, the, the waters of the Jordan River all those years ago is still alive and just as powerful today as he was back then. And if he opened a way for them back then, he can open a way for you and me for whatever we need him to do for us today. Now, coming back to where you are as a church family, okay, you can trust God for the future. I hope you are as you remember his faithfulness in time past. He has given you a rich history. Now, I would guess there's not many of you who have been here for the whole 86 years of the history of this church. Some of you are new here. Some of you have been here a few years. Some of you have been here for quite a long time, okay? But God has blessed this church, and God has led this church. And just as he has led you in days past, he will do it again in the future. And you've already got godly elders. Praise the Lord for, for the elders that God has given you. And you've got a godly staff. And you've got people leading in different ways throughout this church. And now God has given you a new lead pastor who's here. He's sitting right here this morning. He's gung-ho. He couldn't wait to get his boxes unloaded into the office and get going in this church. He's just excited to be here. I hope you're excited to, to have him here. And he's going to love you. Now, he's got a lot of names to learn, but he's going to work on it. And he's going to pour himself. You're going to have to watch him to make sure he doesn't pour so much that he runs dry, okay? Make sure you give him some slack every now and then as well. And you need to, I'll just say it again, keep praying for him. You know, if you would commit right now, you're going to pray for Chris Lenhart for every day, for as long as he's here as your pastor, God would be so blessed. You would be so blessed. Chris would be so blessed. This church would be so blessed. And keep praying for your elders, okay? He's not doing this all alone. He's doing this as, as part of a team. And pray for your, your other staff. And, and pray for the unity of the church as you go forward from here. Okay, so God has brought you uh, to this moment of transition. You've stepped out in faith, following God, and then you need to move forward into the future that God has for you. God doesn't want you to stay where you are. He wants you to go forward. Now, at this point in the story, the Israelites have made it across the river, and they've only got one choice, and that is to go forward because the water returned, and they could not go back. Look again at chapter 4, starting in verse 15. The Lord said to Joshua, Command the priests bearing the ark of the testimony to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priests, Come up out of the Jordan. And when the priests bearing the ark of the covenant of the Lord came up from the midst of the Jordan, and the I love the way this is described here. And the soles of the priest's feet were lifted up on dry ground. Boom! The waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. Can you picture this? Okay, so here you are, two, three million people. You're over on dry ground, and you're standing there, and you're waiting to see what's going to happen next. And there's those priests. They're still out there in the middle of the river. They're still carrying the Ark of the Lord. The river is still dry. Okay, and the last person gets across. The last donkey trickles over. You know, the last lamb comes across. Everybody's over, and, and God tells Joshua to tell, command the priests to come out. And they come out, and they begin walking. They've been standing there probably all day or however long it took everybody uh, to get over. And they walk towards the bank, and no sooner do they put their feet on the edge, and you hear this rumble from upstream. And you grab your kids and you pull them back because you don't know what's happening. And this wall of water comes rushing downstream. And you hold your breath and you watch in awe as this thing rushes by in front of you. And then pretty soon that settles down in this flood stage once again. And this river looks just like it did the day before, before you crossed over. And it almost seems like a dream that you actually walked across on dry ground. Except now you're on the other side. And you can't go back. God had closed the, the way behind them, kind of burning the bridges, so to speak, uh, so that they would move forward into the future he had for them. They, they couldn't go back. It was time to move forward. And that's where you are as well. Okay, maybe you just need to say, make this decision. You need to accept this transition and say, okay, we're going to do it. And go forward into the future God has for you. You've trusted God this far. Don't stop trusting him now. Uh, 
There's going to be struggles along the way. Yeah, of course, there always are. But that doesn't mean you've made the wrong choice. Remember earlier the Israelites had wanted to go back to Egypt, but now they couldn't, okay? Because God had a whole new future ahead of them. And for you and me, the same is true. Move forward into the future God has for you. So, step into the river. Now, as you go through life, there's going to be lots of rivers that need to be crossed. Getting over each one can be a little bit scary. It can be uncomfortable, but we cannot shrink back. And when it's time to move forward, we need to commit ourselves completely to him and trust him to take care of the details and step out in faith and and believe that he will do what we cannot. We can remember what he's done in the past and give us hope for the future, and then we can move forward into the future God has for us. Remember the main idea that I started out with? God will take us where he wants us to go, but we must step out in faith. The same God who got the Israelites across that river and into the promised land can get you across your river and into the life of promise that he has for you. So it's time to get our feet wet. As we come to this milestone in the church, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for God to work mightily among you. I want to pray for God to, to just draw you together as a body that, that God will be delighted in as you serve him. I want to pray for Chris. I want to pray for your leaders. And I'd actually, I know normally you sit while the pastor prays at the end. I want to actually ask you to stand so we can pray together for the Lord as we move forward. Would you join me? Well, Father, here we are. We are your people. You've saved us. You've drawn us to yourself. And you've put us in this church family. And Lord, this is the church of Jesus Christ. It's not our church, Lord. It's your church. And Lord, you have led us for 86 years. And we look forward to seeing you continue to lead until Jesus comes back for us. Lord, thank you for bringing us to this juncture today. Lord, thank you for bringing us Pastor Chris and his family. And Lord, we want to pray your blessing for him. Lord, he's got a mammoth job ahead of him, a job that is way more than he can handle, than anybody could handle. Lord, I pray that you'd strengthen him. I pray that you'd empower him. Lord, I pray that you'd increase his faith. Lord, I, I pray that this family, would, this church family, would just wrap their arms of love around him and that together they would step into the future you have for them. Lord, I want to continue to pray for for the elders that you've placed in this church family, those who are serving now, those who will serve in the days to come, those who have served in the past. Lord, thank you for these men. Lord, strengthen them. Give them a heart of wisdom. Give them a heart of integrity to seek after you. Lord, thank you for all the staff who are, are serving here, the other pastors and those who work in the office, those who lead in various ways. Lord, we pray that you'd empower them as well. Father, we know that you're faithful. We know that you've promised never to leave us or forsake us. You've promised that you're going to be with us always. Lord, there's not even a moment in our lives when for a single instant you left us alone. And we thank you that you're with us today. So Lord, help us to fix our eyes on you, Lord Jesus, as we continue to walk this this walk of faith. We pray in Jesus' name. All right, we're going to sing together. I'm not sure if this is a song that you know well or not, and I asked Edie if she would let me lead one last time. So I'm going to do that here now. Uh, The words are in your uh, bulletin. If you need them, they'll also be up here on the screen. Never once.
thank you that you are such a faithful God. We thank you that you're a God who never leaves us. Lord, just as you've been faithful in history past, you'll be faithful to us as well. Lord, your faithfulness is new every morning. Every day when we get up and the sun rises, whether we can see it or not, Lord, your faithfulness is new there. Lord, you've been faithful to our generations past. You've been faithful to us. You'll be faithful to those who go before us. Lord, I pray for this church. I pray for Calvary Monument Bible Church that you would prove yourself faithful to them in powerful, powerful ways. And Lord, bless them and keep them. Make your face to shine on them and be gracious to them. Lord, lift up your countenance upon them and give them peace. In Jesus' name, we pray.